and welcome to Farscape Friday, episode 70. I'm Kay, here with my co-host Taz. Hey there. This week we'll be discussing the fourth episode of season four, Lava's a Many Splendored Thing. Let's get started. Welcome back. Here's a quick summary of Lava's A Many Splendored Thing. After the starving crew eats some mystery meat that Naranti has, they are forced to touch down on a lifeless planet to all vomit. While Raja discovers a mystery treasure trove and gets stuck in amber, the crew has to rescue him and take down the not-so-friendly thieves that are robbing the planet. Because our crew has the best luck, we get a pit stop episode that turns into stumbling into a robbery, well, Rigel is trying to find a bathroom, basically. And then they have to rescue him. And this is an ep that involves a lot of vomit. And the time pressure to save Rigel derives from his need to poop. Because he didn't actually make it to the bathroom before he got encased in amber because he had sticky fingers. So <laughs> this episode is definitely on the comedy end of the Farscape spectrum. And we get some fabulous John and Dargo show stuff, which I always love. So I liked it. Yeah, I liked this episode, too. I think it's a relatively harmless episode. Do you know what I mean? Like, this Mm -hmm. just felt like a fun episode. There wasn't really any major pressures going on. Even the rescuing Rigel stuff was kind of, like, (laughs) very low-key. There was no larger issues at play. And really, the only timeline they had was they were like, well, I guess we have to get to Rigel before his stomach explodes. (laughs) But even that was just kind of like, do we really need to rescue Rigel? (laughs) Well, I think they were more keen on rescuing Rigel than they were on dealing with Norianti, the old woman, because Ah. she kept foiling their plans. So the episode opens with them still in the Dargo ship. They've just left Arnesk, where they left Jewel, and they're flying around, towing the module, and they haven't had food in three days. And so Norianti's the one who like gives them something. I don't know what it was, but it looked gross. And I feel like she spit something out of her mouth and mixed it with something in one of her pouches and then gave it to everybody to eat, which they did because they're hungry. She says it's restorative, but what she didn't really tell them was that it's restorative and that it empties out your stomach so that you're not hungry anymore because you're vomiting all the time. So they have to make a quick, quick descent to this planet that's rock and lava and desolate, arid, not a lot of water. And that's when you see the entire crew vomiting up their guts on the surface. And it's actually kind of a gross scene. And if I do recommend if you're squeamish about that sort of thing to kind of like close your eyes until it's over. <laughs> My thing with the intro is that I'm kind of like, poor John, because like, apparently Sokozu can go for a really long amount of time without food. But I'm like, humans, we pretty much tap out pretty early without food. We, we start like hallucinating without food. <laughs> yeah, so that was my... That was my main thing with poor John. Yeah. Well, he was probably okay for a couple of days. If it's been three days, you know, give him a week and then he'll probably be in real trouble, right? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> Naranti, this episode, I found a little bit annoying, which is so funny because normally I love her. Like, I love wacky, kooky grandma characters, you know? Mm-hmm. But there was something this episode where she kept giving away their position or she kept insisting that she knew what was going on. And mm-hmm. the funny thing was, is so they get to this, like... They get to this planet. Rigel has stolen this like golden necklace chain because it's Rigel. Mm -hmm. And 
John he's and down Dar- in a cave, by the way. Yeah, he's down in a cave. John and Dargo have gone down to find him. The girls are waiting up top, and Naranti has come with them for some reason. And she keeps insisting that she recognizes the symbols on the crate. And then Raijo gets encased in amber because he tripped a booby wire. And the rest of them hide as the two people come back up and they're like talking and being really loud. And they're like, oh, hey, don't forget to, you know, turn off the trip wires. And then Dargo and John are like, okay, we're going to hide and then we're going to like shoot them and then we're going to, you know, get <laughs> Rigel out and then we're going to leave. And Naranti has a different idea of what to do. And so I want to play that. What are you doing? Did I not tell you to stay put? Listen to me, these are Tarkins. They're good people. You know, Jack, about these people. Now you stay behind cover. <laughs> Greetings, Tarkins. They are honored to meet you. We mean you no harm. You said you were alone. I've never seen her before. No, not alone. There's a human and a lux, too. Oh, I've told them of your good works, but they're shy. Come on out, it's all right. Right, Ernie. Dargo. It's too good for her. Come on, right. Dargo. Yeah, Granny. What are you doing? You have got to stop wandering off like this. Thanks for looking after her, fellas. She's a little... You haven't seen my dog, have you? Little Bubba? You got caught in a trap? Crichton, get me out. I got an idea. Why don't we all put our guns down? Yeah. So Norati is, is the problem child in this episode, not Rigel. I mean, Rigel kind of gets them into everything, but then he's kind of a prop. And he's the, forgive it, but the basketball that gets passed around because he's encased in amber, so he's literally a ball. <laughs> but yeah, so it's it's really it's really Naranti who ends up breaking cover. And these two guys that are the henchmen, they're not that smart. There's this little intro to them where they're walking in and they're like complaining about how stupid each other are. And at one point, Dargo says to John, like, I'll take these two, you take their friends downstairs. And John says, what if there's a hundred? And then Darko's like, of these guys, we should be so lucky. You know, they're, they're not the sharpest tacks in the box. So Norianti here is the one who's like, oh, I know these people. They're based on the symbol on the crate. You know, they're Tarkins. They're freedom fighters. They're wonderful people. And of course, John and Dargo have been burned so many times by trying to trust people that they shouldn't trust. Mm-hmm. I, and the funny thing is, is I'm like... The fact that there were Tarkin symbols on the crates does not prove that there are <laughs> Tarkins, you know? And that was kind of my frustration with Noranti this whole episode is I'm like, okay, great. The Tarkins are nice, but are these actually Tarkins or are they just people that are stealing from the Tarkins or people that have stolen from the Tarkins <laughs> or people that have traded with the Tarkins for that matter? You know, that was kind of my frustration this whole episode. Yeah. And I think you're supposed to be frustrated with her because clearly Dargo and John are just as frustrated. I mean, you heard in the clip, John says at one point burning is too good for her. And that's kind of a, a continuation of a play where her earlier when she's being annoying and saying, oh, look, we have to we have to help these people. John thinks she's being kooky and weird and is like, we have to put granny in a home. And Dargo says we should burn her for no apparent <laughs> reason, apparently. <laughs> Dargo's great this whole episode. <laughs> oh my gosh, he cracks me up. This is the sort of Dargo I love. 
because mm-hmm. it's like this episode is so low stakes that he gets to be comedic and funny and you can't quite tell if he's being serious or if he knows he's being funny and I think it's the latter most of the time. Yeah, and there's actually another example of that. So the the two guys have have chased them off, shot at them. They call their boss. Their boss sends reinforcements. And so Naranti and John and Dargo are running through these tunnels underground. And they get cornered at one point. And Naranti is still insistent that these are the good guys. And Dargo is really snarky. So I'm going to play that one as well. There's no need for this. You listen to me. These are Tarkin freedom fighters. They're heroes. On the planet Kabara, there was a deadly plague. The Tarkins defied the quarantine. They brought food, clean water, medicines. They saved thousands of lives. Whatever, they're angels of mercy. They're still trying to shoot us. Well, what do you expect? You walk to the house, you steal, you shoot at them? In case you hadn't noticed, they started to shoot at us first. They're going to keep shooting at us until we die unless we talk to them. So let me mediate. You know, maybe we should let her try. <sighs> She's going to get shot. And that would be bad. <laughs> <laughs> that cracks me up every time. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. And then I love how I love how Dark is like, and that's bad because <laughs> she got us into this mess. Right. Which is kind of valid because she got them into it in more than one way. She fed them the bad food that made them have to touch down mm-hmm. and she revealed their position. And to the guys with the guns. <laughs> yeah, to the guys with the guns. And then now she wants to do it again. Yeah, like she didn't learn from the last time. And you heard Gar- Dargo's comment of they sh- they're the ones who started shooting at us first. You know, totally valid that she is the one messing up all their plans. And so it cracks me up also here because she, as soon as they agree to let her try, she falls asleep. Because, <laughs> I don't know, hunger, I have no idea why. Narcolepsy, yeah. Meanwhile... The head bad guy, whose name is Raquel, or Raquel, however you want to pronounce it, whose name is Raquel, he tells this other guy to shoot these markings on the wall, which are actually like a booby trap and cause the guy to get eaten by lava. But then Mm -hmm. the lava is now rising and John and Dargo and the old woman are about to get consumed by lava. And there's this hilarious moment where Dargo is like, well, we're just going to jump to the other side. And John looks at him. He's like, oh, yeah, I can totally make that jump. But the old woman can't. Or he's like, the old bat can't. Yeah. And then Dargo goes, well, old bats can fly. And so he picks her up and he like (laughs) chucks her over the lava, the lava. And it's the funniest thing. And then meanwhile, and then John is like forced to admit that he also cannot make the jump. (laughs) And so Dargo, like, chucks him over the other side. (laughs) And then he makes the jump himself, and he can't quite make it. And so he does the tongue thing around the old woman's neck. So his tongue is acting like a rope. And then she's still asleep, knocked out. And when she falls back forward, pulls him over and safely onto the other side. It's just just that kind of comedy that really pops out of this episode. It's, like, very physical. It's very snappy. It's very bantery. And it's, I don't know, I kind of like it. I do as well. I think that John and Dargo really make this episode for me. It has a lot to do with the fact that this is a lot like their snark from season three, except Mm -hmm. instead of being quite as like sandpaper against sandpaper, it's more like they've reached a place where now they're just friends, you know? Yeah. And like their conflict (laughs) this episode is that Dargo is totally okay with killing the old woman. And John is like, we probably shouldn't kill people. But neither one of them is so set in it that it like feels really aggressive. It's just kind of like 
two friends that are like, you sure we can't kill her? And you, yeah, I'm pretty sure we can't kill her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're united by a common a common antagonist in the old woman and who they still, you know, feel protective of and, of course, of rescuing Rigel. So they actually make contact with the head bad guy uh, because Rigel still has his common. Rigel has been brought down to the lower cavern where the bad guys are getting the crates out and then they're transporting them up to the top cavern when then they up to their ship. So uh, Rigel's trying to say, hey, I'm downstairs. Come get me, please. My bowels are about to explode. And they make contact with the head bad guy who Norianti still believes is the Tarkin. And Johnny is just a calm. And he says, when he's asked for his name, he says, Lou Costello. And the bad guy says, okay, well, I'll send an escort up so that you guys can come down and get Rigel and this will all go away. And of course, Norianti gives John this look of like, see, I told you so. And meanwhile, John and Drago are like, yeah, it's a trap, right? It's a trap. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, that's the other really nice thing about this episode is unlike Troutics and Crackers Don't Matter, you know, where there was kind of this question of, is he a good guy? Is he a bad guy? Or, you know, even in like back and back and back to the future where it's like, good guy, bad guy, you know, uncertain, what's going on? In this episode... Everybody, except for Neuranti, is 100% on board with this guy being a bad guy. You know, it's so straightforward. Yeah. There's no question. They're just like, yeah, he's a bad guy. Yeah, he's a bad guy. You know? Yeah. Why, why are you questioning this? This is so obvious. He's a bad guy. Yeah. <laughs> Which is why, like, at the very end when the reveal is like, oh, or not the very end, but kind of around this point when the reveal is like, oh, they're stealing from the, you know, they're stealing from the Tarkins. I'm kind of mm-hmm. like, yes, I call that, like, in five minutes into the episode. <laughs> but, you know, I don't think for the, for the, it was really meant to trick the audience because, you know, John and Dargo's skepticism is there from the very beginning. Like, no, these people are shooting at us. There go. They are the bad guys. You know, there's, there's like never really any doubt that they are in a bad situation from the beginning. Mm-hmm. And I think it's more just to have the conflict with Norianti and to, and to kind of, kind of show like okay john and dargo have been in so many bad positions that they know what a bad position is when they're in one you know (laughs) yeah and it kind of just goes from there the escort that rakil has sent up is our two bad guys from the beginning and john has a very clear plan of how he's going to deal with the fact that they're wearing body shields oh right we didn't mention the body shields yeah (laughs) (laughs) right so that's why they're having trouble with shooting back at the bad guys because the bad guys are shielded all right here's the quote you know, I definitely do not trust this guy. Me either, but I got an idea. But there's no reason not to trust him. I mean, why Grandma, would Grandma, zip it. We do not want to hear what saints the Tarkins are. We are not going in there undefended. So you can either get with the program or you can shut up. Preferably both. What's your idea? All right, here's the thing. I think that we ambush the escort, we hit him with a rock, and we take his belt. That is your plan? Yeah. To hit him with a rock when they have these, like, shield things? The shields work against pulse energy. They don't work against other things. We saw the guy get burned. Yeah, but not by a rock. All right, let me lay this out for you. Fire is thermal energy. Okay. Thermal energy is like kinetic energy. A rock has kinetic energy. Ergo, a rock will work. Oh, okay. Okay, I'm with you. I just have... Uh, one small little question. Who is Lou Costello? Wait! What? I want to help. Abbott Costello, we've been over this. 
that is like my favorite conversation of the entire episode because Dargo's outrage of like, you want to hit him with a rock? <laughs> and I love that John gets to use his science. John is a yes. scientist. He understands how physics and like energy works. I love and, it. And- and different types of energy and motion and things. And who knows how, like, accurate, accurate it is, but it's a pretty good assumption to make that, yeah, hitting with them with a rock, if you can get burned by lava, will work. And it's this specific kind of pulse energy that, from their weapons, from anybody's weapons in the galaxy, that will be absorbed by the shields. Which, okay, I need to know why no one else has this shielding. Like John is kind of like early on. He's like, they have body armor. Why don't we have body armor? I'm like, why don't the peacekeepers have body armor for that matter? Yeah, that's one of those, those things. Well, maybe it's one of those things that's just really hard to invent. And then they're at the stage where it's finally starting to come on the market. I okay. don't know. I but... hope that they keep this body armor, though, because it's awesome. <laughs> anyway, my other like the other thing that I love about this is that it's it's John coming up with the Dargo plan. Like when I was listening to it, I was like, wait, this is John's plan. Hit them with a rock. That's a Dargo plan. (laughs) Dargo's plans at the, the gold standard of let's cut off our little fingers so we can identify (laughs) ourselves. Oh, Which Dargo, I want to, I bring up because it's going to come up in a, in a few minutes. A little callback to that, I think. Yes. But the other thing I love about this exchange too is like, so Dargo's like trying to follow the science, and he's got this squinty face going on. It's like, sure, sure, I understand. And then the question he comes up with is, is Lou Costello? Uh, <laughs> but the best part is when John says, Abbott and Costello, we've been over this. Like he's had this conversation <laughs> with Dargo before. <laughs> oh, I love their friendship. Oh, yes, man. and if you don't know, Abbott and Costello are the infamous uh, comedy duo of the 40s, 50s, and 60s radio era, early TV era, and they're the ones famous for Who's On First, which you should watch on YouTube if you haven't seen it, because it's amazing. Meanwhile, the old lady has decided that she does want to help, and so she does something that actually ends up, for me, being the funniest moment of this whole episode, <laughs> which is that she like puts these drugs around and I guess they're like heat activated because it's all like misty and she yeah. tells John and Dargo she's like don't inhale and they're like okay so then the Abbott and Costello of this episode who are our original two baddies who are kind of <laughs> dumb kind of dumb <laughs> a little bit slapsticky they show up and I think they get called the three stooges at one point yeah Mary and Mo. <laughs> so anyway they show up they inhale and then they start hallucinating Noranti as like this super hot like strip dancer and it is like <laughs> the funniest scene because she's doing like this super sexy dance and like John yeah. and Dargo who are not seeing her as like a sexy stripper they're like what's going on and they're like kind of shocked and surprised and then Noranti is actually stripping me and so finally Dargo and John get with the program and they hit the guys with rocks and the guys <laughs> go down just as Noranti like completely undresses and it's so funny and I'm not I'm not laughing because like part of the joke is clearly that like ah like old people's bodies are weird but like for me it's just more like the whole way everybody is like acting and that mm-hmm. this was her plan like, her plan was, like, to trick them with, like, drugs. 
Yeah, well, she's she. Oh, drugs are like her modus operandi, right? But yeah, she's the distraction for them, and it works really well. And it does. I did feel like it's a little bit. Oh, we got to get a hot, sexy woman into the episode somehow. But I like that this is the way they chose to do it. Instead of like, you know, having Chiano or Sokozu be gratuitously naked, you have Naranti being gratuitously naked, and it's actually kind of hilarious. <laughs> It's just like, I love John and Dargo's expressions during the whole thing, because obviously mm-hmm. they can't see what's going on. And so they're kind of like completely puzzled by these guys, like, you know, <laughs> dog impressions with like their tongues hanging out and like, you know, crawling in front mm-hmm. of her because of how sexy she is. It's hilarious. Yeah. So they get the belts. And then we have the next little moment of do these belts actually work? So this is a callback to, I think, Dargo's original plan way back in season one in episode three, uh, Exodus from Genesis, where he's like, let's cut off our little fingers, our smallest appendages. So here's a short little clip of John needing to test the body shields. All right, so there's nothing to turn on. Somebody shoots me and I'm protected. Yeah. Well, I think we'd better test it. Do you have any uh, small appendages you don't need? Small? Shoot him in the buttock. That's big. Hey, you know what? Don't touch my ass. That's sexual harassment. Whoa, no, we are not shooting the butt. Okay. The butt is off limits. Try the healer. Why don't we shoot you? You got a small appendage. Shoot me. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and just so you know, John gets shot in the leg by Dargo, and the body armor does work. But I just love also the sexual innuendo going on, like small appendage. It's not small. <laughs> I just love everything about this scene because it's like, again, them bantering, the old woman being not so helpful. But at the same time, actually, if you're going to shoot someone, shooting them in the butt actually is pretty legit because it's super fatty and you don't really like need it, need it. I don't know. To walk a little bit. (laughs) But the whole scene, though, is really good. But this is also where we discovered that the shields have a power save mode. So Mm -hmm. they'll act for a certain amount of time. And then they go into like a power save mode. It makes sense. And then it becomes relevant later on in the episode. Yep. So uh, we'll get to that one in a minute. So put a pin in that thought. John and Dargo go down to the lower level where they confront the bad guys and immediately get trapped in a booby trap. And they have like this back and forth and and the, the head bad guy, um, Raquel, is that right? Mm-hmm. And the head Raquel. bad guy, Raquel. He uh, is like, who are you working for? Why are you trying to stop us from from robbing people? And it's kind of this back and forth. And Rigel's like tense and everything. And when we when we leave these guys here, let's go back to the surface where Chiana and Sukozu, who when the whole place went into lockdown, they got locked out of the cave by the shield that happened when when Rigel tripped the booby traps. And now they've been trying to figure out a way to use Dargo's ship to get into the cave and rescue the others. Mm -hmm. And it's actually Chiana that comes up with the key ingredient here, which is so funny because (laughs) Sokozu keeps insisting like, well, Dargo should have some sort of manual override, like if he's smart and like Chiana kind of gets defensive for poor Dargo here. And (laughs) Sokozu's like, Sokozu is like so funny because she's like, well, I'm assuming that Dargo was smart enough to have done this, but obviously Dargo can't because his ship is DNA activated, Mm -hmm. you know, which is something we've discovered last season and, you know, really actually almost killed everybody on Moya. Mm -hmm. And so Chiana realizes that they have some of Dargo's DNA 
in the form of the vomit. (laughs) (laughs) So what do they go do? They go out to the piles of vomit and they discuss which one belongs to who. And they find Dargo's huge pile of vomit. And this is the part that really grossed me out. Gianna tastes it. Like, she sticks her finger in it and then sticks it in her mouth. And I'm like, Chiana, what the hell is wrong with you? <laughs> so gross. Sokozo so gross. is appropriately grossed out, I feel. Yeah, Sokozo also is like, this can't be his vomit. No, this couldn't <laughs> come out of any living creature. <laughs> and so Chiana, like, gets vomit on her gloves. And then she they end up going back to the ship. And so now Chiana has Dargo's DNA. And Sokozu keeps trying to be like, oh, I'll take over. I'll take over. And it's it's amazing. And so I want to play that. Okay. I should be doing this. Excuse me. I'm the one that put my hands in the vomit. And I'm the one who happened to observe Dargo's starting procedure when we left Arnesk. Press. This, this, that, and those two together. This, this, and that. Power systems at your command, Cardago. <laughs> How do you fire out the cannon? That I do not know. I've never seen him use the cannon. Right. Random flailing is pointless, Chiana. Move aside and let me wo- I'm the one that put my hands in the vomit. Okay, you want to turn? Go get your own vomit. <laughs> I don't know. I'm the one who put my hands in the vomit. You want to turn? Go get your own vomit. (laughs) Which is actually eventually what Sokozu does. Like, she's tired of seeing Shiana flail around, and she is the one who's, like, constantly trying to learn about her environment. So she goes out and gets her own vomit, and Shiana makes way for her. And then there's this great scene where where Sukozu's like, I figured it all out. I can get the pan- cannon to turn on. And she does actually manage to get the ship turned on and turned it so it's aiming at the at the cave entrance. But then, you know, when she's like, fire, it doesn't fire. And then they're back to square one of like, what do we do here? <laughs> and then eventually Chiana kind of goads her into just pressing random buttons. And that's what actually causes the ship to fire. So now there's a big hole where the entrance to the cave used to be. Chiana mm-hmm. ends up going down. But meanwhile, the bad guys have heard the explosion. Right. So they have heard the explosion and they're like, are the it's the Tarkins. Are the Tarkins here yet? Because the whole time window for this robbery was to get in, steal all the crates, get out before the Tarkins arrive for their regularly scheduled pickup. So the Tarkins are the real Tarkins are on their way. So the the lead henchman who's getting kind of pissed off that the lead bad guy, Raquel, is killing his men, says, We gotta go check our transport ship and make sure it wasn't damaged, make sure the Tarkins aren't here for real. To add fuel to this fire, we have John and Dargo, who are still standing in this ring of the booby trap that if they cross the line, they'll be encased in amber. And, of course, selling the attack for all it's worth. Someone is in my ship. This gotta be the girls, but how'd they get your bodily fluids? Don't go there. You wondered who was with us. You just found out. That was our squad blasting their way in. Your squad? Yeah. Whole platoon of big hairy guys with really cool tats and more guns than you can count. If they come down here and find us dead, they're gonna slit you from crotch to eyeball with a dull deer antler. In other words, we die, you die. We live and you might have a chance. You're lying. 
Wait. If it's true, we're gonna need some hostages. Why now? Of all times you could have come here, why now? Do you know how long I've been planning this? Life sucks, doesn't it? Well, quite often, in fact. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. No, basically, I just I just love that they're like, oh, it's got to be the girls. And then they're like, big, burly men. It kind of reminded me of like Toph in Avatar The Last Airbender, where, mm-hmm. you know, in the play episode at the end of season three or near the end of season three, where they have uh, the character of Toph in the play is like this big, burly guy. And she's like, I love it because she's this like petite little blind girl. And that's kind of how I feel like John is selling selling Chiana and Sukozu is like, oh, just you wait. <laughs> <laughs> Our guys are going to come with tattoos, unnecessary tattoos. <laughs> and deer antlers. Yeah. And then it's like the note at the end where Raquel is so frustrated. It's just like, why? Why did this happen to me? And I just love John and Dargo's reaction of like, life's unfair. Deal with it. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing I love here is like, I can't think of another show where, like, a significant portion of their plans almost always include bluffing for mm-hmm. all they're worth. You know what I mean? It kind of, I was thinking about, like, Firefly a little bit where, you know, because it, it, that's also, like, a small crew that, you know, kind of has to make do with what they have. But at the same time, I'm like, that isn't even comparable because this is just, like, almost all of their plans always include them bluffing because they know they don't have the manpower to do it. Yeah. You know? Yeah, for sure. And the other part of it too is like when they're going back and forth with Rakeel a little bit earlier, he's they're you know, they're like, We're not the cops. We don't care if you're robbing them. We just wanna leave and get out of here and take Rigel with us. <laughs> and Dargo's trying to like make friends and be like, Yeah, we've robbed places before too. <laughs> <laughs> we've robbed like a lot of places. We're cool. Oh man. Right. And of course Rakeel takes it to me that they're trying to rob them because obviously Rigel has a a, a gold thing in his hand when he's encased in the amber. So Rakil and the lead henchman go upstairs to check on the ship. And at this point, Gianna is down in the caves below with Norianti on the top level. And Tsukozu has made the ship invisible. She's figured that out. So when the guys go to the surface, they can't see anything because the ship's invisible. And meanwhile, John and Dargo are left with uh, one of the last henchmen who has a bucket of lava to threaten them with. Because remember, the body shields that they're wearing don't protect from lava. And Rakil is actually throwing it on them, trying to get them to confess. Kind of kind of ineffectually, I, I feel like. It wasn't really very good torture at all. Here's my thing. This had to have been very cold lava. <laughs> I, I'm being deadly serious here because normally, because like what happens is Rakil throws the lava on them and we're supposed to like, oh, it burns their clothes, but it doesn't like burn them. I'm like, no, if your body gets anywhere near like actual lava, you catch on fire and you die. You know what I mean? Like, so my yeah. whole thing is I'm like, this lava must have been very cold lava for some reason. Maybe like the rock had like a very low melting point or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, something or high like that. melting point, something like that. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. You know, it's science fiction, Farscape, magic lava. I guess because you know most movies get lava wrong anyway. So you know, whatever. I yeah. guess that's all I can say to that. Um, <laughs> isn't it Rigel? I think that rocks yeah. himself off of wherever he's being placed, and he actually lands on the booby trap and gets himself the rest of the way in case it was his lower body. Now it's his whole body, his head included. But it sets off the booby trap so now John and Dargo can escape and they take on the henchmen 
Drago runs to go after the the main bad guys, make sure the girls and Norianti are okay. I guess Norianti's mm-hmm. one of the girls. So John is now wrestling with the uh, John takes out the henchmen and then they're trying to like unfreeze Rigel. Right, that's it. But, and Dargo comes back and they're like trying to use the gun, but the gun is out of power. So then Dargo has to go up to the top. Oh, to that's get why he another went up. Gun. Yeah, no, that's right. You're right. Sorry, I got order of events mixed up. That's fine. And then while Dargo is up there fighting another bad guy for the unfreeze ray gun, the main, the henchman that was down below with them comes back to life. He gains consciousness and he attacks. He grabs Rigel and he's going to bash John's head in with Rigel. And then John accidentally pushes him into the lava. So now Rigel is encased in amber in the lava. And then John is like trying to convince himself to go in the lava. And it's this hilarious scene where he actually ends up like shooting his pinky Mm -hmm. because he's convinced himself that the shield, while it's on will protect him from the heat right. of the lava. But it has to be activated. But it has to be activated. And so he shoots his pinky and then he dips his pinky in the lava and it's totally fine. But then as soon as his shield goes into power save mode, he like puts his fingers back in and they get burnt. Yeah. Which is again why I'm like, this has to be very cold lava because yeah. I'm like, no, your fingers would not exist anymore if you dipped your <laughs> fingers in lava. Yeah. And while he's having this conversation, he actually has a conversation with Harvey in his head who pops up in in like a full like hazmat kind of suit. Who's like, this is a terrible idea. And John explains his logic and then shoes him away. And then and then John's like, I know this plan is insane now. (laughs) Yes. This is the first time we've seen Harvey in season four. So welcome back, Harv. Yeah. Welcome back, Harvey. And so then John, you know, keeps shooting himself and goes in and tries to rescue Rigel. Mm-hmm. And then Raquel shows up and John and uh, John and Raquel have like a big battle with each other. And then Chiana shows up and John is like, shoot. And so Chiana shoots Raquel and John's like, no, shoot me. Because <laughs> he needs to get the shield activated again because they're fighting over Winona, which, uh, you know, John is not happy that someone else is trying to wait, take away his favorite weapon. So eventually he shoves Raquel. Raquel's head sets off one of the booby traps. And so now Raquel's head is encased in amber. He can no longer breathe. He promptly dies. John is like, John tells Chiana to keep shooting him while he feels around in the lava, finds Rigel and Winona, gets out, and then they unfreeze Rigel. Yep. And then Rigel immediately poops. <laughs> Mm-hmm. and sends smell and helium all over the place. And there's this funny little scene where where Chiana says, don't breathe. And then the Norati walks in with the real Tarkins and they say, don't move. So this is kind of like this little sequence of don't, don't, don't. But yeah, so Norati, meanwhile, had gone back up to Sokozu. They got the radio working. They contacted the en route Tarkins who accelerated their pace and arrived. And yeah, so the real Tarkins show up. Their stuff is still there. The bad guy is dead. And the reason Rigel didn't die while he was encased in amber, as John points out, he's amphibious, so he could survive a little bit longer without oxygen, apparently. But Rigel's alive, so that's good. And uh, yeah, Norianti has made friends with the real Tarkins, who seem super appreciative of her and her, you know, fawning over their good deeds. There's actually this super <laughs> hilarious moment because, like, the head Tarkin, he speaks with, like, a really deep, like, voice, you know? Mm-hmm. And then as soon as Rigel farts, like, his <laughs> voice goes up and it's just, like, one of the best comic moments of the episode because it's, like, it's just the way that, you know, you were used to, like, 
people on Farscape speaking where it's like they speak with like a really deep voice and it was and then like all of a sudden he's talking in like the helium, helium voice. voice. <laughs> yeah. As long you can, guys can leave as long as you take it with you. And the last little note on the planet, I believe, is they're on the surface. They're reuniting with Sukozu and Chiana. Norianti is walking with the Tarkin leader and he says, thank you for this this thing you gave me. And I, I'm blanking on the name of it, but it's basically... It's like the, Jaquiel or something. I forget what it is. Right. And it's the purgative she had given everybody on the crew at the very beginning of the episode and that had made them all vomit. And so immediately John and Drago grab her. Her feet aren't even on the on the on the ground, and they carry her off to the ship to get her away from the Tarkins as soon as possible, without telling them, by the way, that it was a you know, a like Ipecac or something, you know? So <laughs> And so they make their very, very hasty retreat before the Tarkins find out that they're about to get poisoned. It, I was dying. It was so funny. They're <laughs> like, we have to get her off here before we, they figure out she poisoned them. <laughs> oh, man. So then they're on the ship and then they get a very special message. Yeah, let's play it. A received transmission awaits your review. We have an answer, Machine. Have we got a message? Quick, play it. Play it now. Just shut up. Cardago, Mocha and I have received your signal. Here is a location we look forward to your return. Splendid. Repeat, Moya and I have received your signal. Oh, by the arts, Moya's all right. She's waiting for us. Oh, and I really mm. love this little moment at the end. Because there's like the expressions on everybody's faces. John has just like this beautific smile when he says pilot, just really soft and gently. And and everybody is just really happy that it's pilot and Moya. And he's like Rigel right there. He's like, oh, they're all right. We're so happy they're all right. And they're going to go home to her. And it's just, uh, it's just this really nice moment at the end. Yeah. It's like a reminder that even though we have most of the crew, we're still missing three really important people. Yeah. Two of those are Moya and Pilot. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So what would you give this episode? Oh, I think it's a three. It's a... I don't know if there's a lot of there there to this episode, but I think it's really funny. I think it's fun. It doesn't, doesn't make me, like, dislike it at all. Like, it pretty much hits all the points. And, yeah, it's just a fun episode. Yeah, I I would agree with you. I think that it's a really harmless episode. I know some people really dislike this episode. I don't really understand why, because it's really harmless, you know? Yeah, well, I think think when it was airing, you know, we had the separation of John and Aaron at the time, and it's like, where's Aaron? It's just like one more delay to getting back to Aaron. And I think Mm. the other thing is like the vomit (laughs) could turn people off. And I I can kind of get that. It's like... A certain kind of body horror, I guess, you know, just like seeing people be vomiting and gross and everything. And there's, it's just like kind of a gross episode. And I think the other thing about it is, even though we have lots of fun stuff with the characters, we don't really have character growth. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it doesn't stick out as you need to watch this episode as part of your season watch because this really important single thing happens that's really important for the characters and their relationship moving forward or whatever and there's nothing like that here it's just kind of like hey we had to go to the bathroom and throw up and then we accidentally ran into a robbery it's like (laughs) it's like a 7-eleven you know (laughs) yeah 
even the Chiana and Sokozu stuff of like them kind of coming to a detente, it's not the sort of detente where you think like, oh, this is going to change their relationship. Like they're still going to be very antagonistic yeah. towards each other. Yeah. And yeah, I agree that there's not character growth that goes on here. But at the same time, I found it just to be like a really harmless, funny episode. The comedy yeah. is worth it for me. It's oh, not yeah. something that... Yeah, you're right. It's not something that I would go back and be like, I need to rewatch this. Like, there have been episodes of Farscape that I almost immediately went back and rewatched because mm-hmm. they were so good. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, harmless episode. I enjoyed it. I, th- I think it's actually one of my favorite standalone episodes of season mm-hmm. four. Probably my favorite standalone episode. Not my favorite episode, just of the mm-hmm. standalones because it is so funny. So next week, what do we have? Next week, we have Promises mm-hmm. and we rejoin Moya and Pilot. So get ready for that. We are Farscape Friday podcast and we are Farscape Friday podcast on Tumblr and on Dreamwidth and on at Gmail if you want to get in touch with us there. And we are Farscape Friday on Twitter. Yeah, see you next week. Bye bye. Bye.